I'm Jason Klom. Gaziza. I'm Alan Rickards. Your last name is Rickard? And we are the hosts of Dispatches from Fort Awesome, a news radio podcast. Oh, hi, it's Jason Klom, your co-host, Dispatches from Fort Awesome. With me this week on the phone is news radio associate producer, Orit Schwartz. Thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. And awesome. I, I got that right, correct? Your only associate producer, or did you ever do something else where I, I don't want to forget something that you, you, you might have done on the show? No, I ended up as an associate producer on the show. I started as a production coordinator. I actually started out as an assistant to a producer that left pretty quickly. Oh, okay. So I, I went up the ranks on that show. So how, how early was this in your career? Um, Pretty early. Early, actually, um, I worked on Roseanne, and from Roseanne, I jumped onto a Sony show where I was an assistant to a producer for a short time, and she got news radio um, sort of last minute. I forget what the story was with that, but um, she asked the Burlstein Gray if she can bring on her person. Again, I wasn't her person for that long, but she was just scrambling if you can just bring me on for a couple of weeks uh-huh. to help her, because at least we work together for two seconds. Sure. Um, <laughs> and that's how I came on news radio. I was supposed to be there for two weeks, and I was up there for four or five years. That's crazy. Uh, yeah, what, awesome. So what what was your perception of, I mean, how early were you on the show, and what was your perception of it? Uh, how, how much did you know about the cast and all that stuff before you got started? You know, I, you've been talking to a lot of people on, on the show. News Radio was such a unique show where it felt like all the kids were home alone. I mean, it was <laughs> just, we were all so young at the time. And yeah. Rolstein Gray uh, was a management company, a very successful one, that I felt created uh, TV shows to, to get work for their clients. Mm-hmm. So I don't think the TV shows were like, I mean, obviously, Brian and Bernie were, were engaged and Stuff, but they left a lot of uh, a lot of it to to just us, you know. So yeah. Paul Sims was was leading it, which was fantastic, and he had a lot of great young writers around him. And I mean, we're all twenty somethings. I mean, it was like ridiculous, and um, yeah, it was fun. It was it was like a dorm room <laughs> in a good way. And I was going to ask, yeah, in a good way. Well, that's 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 a relief. Um, so not in a great way. <laughs> So what, uh, you know what, I, the funny thing is I've worked in production, but I'm realizing I don't know what what you might do in your capacity as an associate producer on a show like News Radio. So, You know, it was kind of unique because an associate producer was usually a post-production person, but since uh, we sort of... Uh, created our own rules um i got to be an associate producer on the production end of things and um i don't know again i'm probably covering stuff that other people have covered no um paul you know sort of like went through line producers kind of quickly um you know because he had his own ideas and they were usually great and uh a lot of the producers the line producers that came in were sort of like they were professional line producers Uh so that didn't work in sort of the way the show ran okay so we ended up um after they kind of got rid of producer line producer number four 
they ended up just uh, letting Bruce Berman and myself uh, sort of act like line producers. I mean, uh-huh. again, we're like, you know, 12 years old. It's crazy. And Tony <laughs> Carey from Rolstein Gray, he was sort of like the, the you know, the point person. Yeah. Um, so Paul trusted us, and I was sort of able to be the conduit between Tony and the cast and the writers, and Bruce took more of the official line producer, sort of like the nuts and bolts and you know, sort of that job, and I guess I kind of had the fun job because I got to be, you know, be in contact with the cast and make mm-hmm. sure that, you know, the cast and the writers had what they needed. So it kind of worked out for a few years kind of that way. That's See, that's wonderful. You, you, you're you right. That is not something you often hear about in, in that capacity. So what? So were you getting, like, requests directly from the cast and going to the producers, that kind of thing? Uh, pretty much, you know, again, Paul was very close, and the writers were very close yeah. to the cast. It was, it was a really great relationship that were, was formed. Um, but the production company, again, Brad and Bernie, you know, they show up, obviously. Sure. But Tony Carey was their main guy. And, um, you know, they had other shows. Brillstein Gray on Sanders, and that was ending. And then mm-hmm. they had to shoot me, and they had, you know, all of a sudden, he was a very busy man. Um, and we were sort of really left alone. So... Yeah, I just, you know, I guess whatever kind of came up, it was it was very guerrilla style mm-hmm. production. We, we weren't the typical, you know, I did a, a pilot at Disney um, real quick. It kind of uh, wildly, actually, this pilot was uh, that I did for Disney, kind of backtracking Dave Foley. Um, this was before news radio, right before news radio. Mm-hmm. Dave Foley was supposed to star in it. And casting just wasn't working out, and they pulled it, and I was so disappointed because yeah. I'm like, oh my god, I love Kids in the Hall, I right. love Dave Foley, and then I ended up working with him for all those years on news radio. That's crazy. So again, yeah. So the back to the Disney thing, they had such a way to do things, like they literally gave you a a, a big old binder of how to do it the Disney way. And oh. in news radio, we just did it our way. As long as again, the shows got delivered, the shows got done. Yeah. Last second, as you probably know by speaking to Paul. Sure, um, sure. It was a lot. It was a lot. <laughs> Very unconventional. Is that, can I, uh, this could be totally wrong. So I've seen, somebody once gave me, uh, I feel like I'm accidentally telling tales out of school, but somebody gave me a copy of the creative executive handbook that Disney used to have in the 90s. Oh my gosh. And it's, oh, it's massive and it's a, it's so dry and terrible. So is it something like that where it's just like you're just getting these massive amounts of examples and rules that make maybe sense well, to them the, yeah here's the deal with that i didn't bother reading it because <laughs> it was just a pilot and i just i was i'm a skimmer and i wasn't gonna, you know they handed me this big gigantic binder and i'm like i'm here for a pilot this is crazy yeah. and we were in the animation building and the male guy kept going back and forth and saying hi and this is a few days in and it's a pilot so things are fast and serious and you know, I'm not getting any mail, and I know I opened accounts as a production coordinator on this, and I'm like, hey, you know, where's our mail? And he goes, oh, you didn't read chapter probably 7,000 or something? <laughs> oh, you know, no. it's, I'm like, oh, I actually, you have to send all these memos. This was the 90s. I'm like, you have to send all these memos, and I'm like, oh, my God. I finish reading this, you know, the pilot is going to be done. Uh-huh. So I... Luckily, it was pulled. I mean, I feel about that. Dave, you know, it worked out. Yeah. Well, I mean, to go from that to what seems like there's so many people whose story. And now, to be fair, news radio. When a show's like your first or like the most impactful early on in your career, it's going to stick with you. But also, if it were a crappy experience that you were just doing for the money, you 
people wouldn't be willing to talk with me. So that's true. So I'm wondering, I don't like, think anybody did the show for the money, right? I think everybody was it was very dear to a lot of people. What What about it at the time uh, kept you hooked? I, I'm this is something I always want to know. Um, everybody felt like a family. I mean, it was just a very unique situation where it's like it was like these people were your family. You're there a lot of hours. Um, most of the time just hanging out, you know, I mean, we worked a million hours, but we really didn't work. I mean, again, the show got done and delivered and pretty much always timely. Mm -hmm. It was still a network thing, you know, everybody, because NBC was in transition. Um, the show got bumped around a lot, as you obviously know. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, I think we just kind of, it was just kind of funny because it was like, it was such a brilliant, written show I mean the writers on that show were just really amazing and the cast was so amazing mm -hmm. and it did so poorly in the ratings because NBC never kept it in one place right. so nobody even knew when it was on I you know it was um, so I think the special part of it is everybody just kind of really bonded together and we kept getting picked up and picked up <laughs> you know yeah. you always thought it was going to be like the last episode right or the last season you know, I would have to get, like, I would get the um, the reports from legal, you know, just the kind of clearance reports, and I would read them and go, oh, now I get that joke. Wow, that's really clever. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> that's that's amazing. What kind of stuff did you ha have to clear? I, this might sound seem dry to you, but it's fascinating to me. Uh, everything. I mean, you know, I, I mean, every, every reference that... Um, the writers wrote in, you know, would have to be cleared by, you know, I mean, legal went with a fine tooth comb over every reference. Wow. I mean, you, it was the best schooling I ever had because I learned so much just by reading the report. I'm like, hey, I just got a Harvard graduation, uh, you know, degree. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, it was, you know, obviously legal is pretty on top of it. And, you know, and, and we have to kind of, I mean, mostly it was verbal stuff. It wasn't like, I mean, if it was props or something, we sure. had a, an amazing prop uh, master that was really, you know, on top of it. So yeah. Jody, man. So yeah, it was, again, it was, it was a very unique situation. I came from my very first show, which I got very lucky on was Roseanne. And I got that show when it was just, you know, the, the best, it was basically the most popular show in the country actually in the world mm -hmm. and of course they were already in season seven or something right um and so things definitely and i was a production assistant and definitely they had their way of doing things and again i was like the bottom of the wrong and we had like 20 writers at the time mm -hmm. i know that's a different podcast so we won't talk about that <laughs> but you know, but again, you know, going to news radio, going from like, hey, there's no rules and we're creating the rules and it's actually working. That was like such a brilliant experience. I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm obviously obsessed with the show and therefore incredibly jealous <laughs> whenever That's I awesome. hear a story like this. I'm just like, I wish I hit. If I had had an experience like this when I first came out here, I might still be in production. Uh, oh, I, you know, you didn't, you, not everybody gets lucks into something like this or proves themselves enough to get involved in something like this. Do you know, so was there, so you, the, the feeling of family does seem to be something everybody brings up. Even people who were maybe had two bits on the show over the course of the entire, mm -hmm. you know, the entire run, everybody seemed to be just treated well. There was a, a sense of respect, even with, you know, guest actors and things like that. Um, where do you think that comes from? Is it just from the top down? 
Yeah, I, I do think so. And I, and I think Paul had such a great uh, personality as far as, you know, if, if with Paul, it's like if he didn't like you, you kind of know it. Uh-huh. So he surrounded himself by people he really liked. Fair. Um, so I don't, you know, it was just it, it, everybody kind of worked, you know, 99.9% of the people worked really super well together because Paul sort of created this group of people. And again, I'm so, you know, I haven't kept up with Paul all these years, but I've kept up with other people from the show. And, um, you know, I'm like, so I, I kind of, again, I was one of those people on the show that did luck out into being on the show because once they uh asked the line producer that brought me in um to leave paul really fought for me to stay Mm -hmm. um and down to a point i don't know why i really don't i don't know if he just wanted to say hey i just want her and you know i'm gonna get what i want which thank you for that sure but also there was right before we reshot the pilot for a season um, the show was in Union, and Jimmy Burroughs was directing, and right before we were about to shoot, the, the crew walked out, and oh. it became Union. Wow. And, um, and of course, that costs more money. Sure. So all of a sudden, where do we cut people? And it's like that girl who we're already getting rid of the line producer that she came in with. Why is she here? And Paul really fought for me to stay, so... I thank him for that. <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, you so know, I don't know why. To this day, I don't know. That's why, but, uh, wow. I mean, that's. Uh, I mean, that says something for him. Uh, whatever his motivations, obviously, that's 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 no pretty idea. wonderful. Well, maybe, but I'm grateful. Well, <laughs> uh, naturally, do you? Uh, were you involved in terms of? I, I don't. I, I never got a full sense of. Uh, anybody beyond the writers being involved in that insane gaming room? Did you ever play any of the video games, or was that just a thing where the writers had their own little hovel? No, um, a lot of the production assistants got into it. I I love playing video games. I didn't play Doom, um, uh-huh. Uh-huh. and of course, then when we brought in the uh, the arcade games, I, I definitely played in those. And you know, I had the Playstations, you know, and I had the Nintendos, and I had, you know, all those. But, you know, again, the Doom part was completely, I mean, you know, the production assistants got in on it, and um, the writers, you know, were in on it. But uh, I didn't, I was not part of the Doom thing. I didn't, I wasn't at the caliber <laughs> season bother. <laughs> but I watched. Sure. Yeah, see, that's that's yeah. what you always wonder, because, like, that, there are games like that that are, like, weirdly fun to watch, especially if people are super into it. Um, yeah, I, I love that that was their creative process, though. Did, did that kind of atmosphere make, was that part of making it easier to work there, more comfortable working there, the fact that people practically lived on set? You know, I think the fact that we're so young, and for a lot of us, it was sort of first shows early on, and also it was, I think, the time. I think it was, you know, it was the 90s, which is crazy to think how long ago that was. Um, and I think the thing that really kind of helped was the fact that nobody was paying attention to us. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. the fact that the ratings were ridiculously low for no reason whatsoever. We weren't the priority. I think like a show like Friends, all of a sudden everybody wants a piece of it because it's so successful. Everybody sure. has an opinion. Right. You know, news radio didn't have the ratings, so people kind of cared. And But they basically just, you know what I mean? It, it yeah. was actually a weird blessing. 
Right. And I, um, I, I have to wonder, like, if, if it had kept going and if it had become, you know, a weird, successful juggernaut, if it would have the place it has in my heart or not. I don't know. It's really hard know. to say. Yeah. It's, it, yeah, it, it is amazing um, because I really I don't even know how many viewers we have. Again, it, I think you're in such a bubble when you when you're making the show. I don't I think everybody I associated with was pretty much part of that show. Mm-hmm. That was basically my whole, I mean, I had some friends, like, outside of the show, but everybody on that show was who you hung out with right. all the time. Right. Do you... So, and Paul also brought, I'm sorry, just... No, no, please. People, he, the people he brought into the show were, like, amazing, like David Cross and Bob Odenkirk and Toby Huss, and, I mean, it was just such a great time in the 90s to be introduced to all those people that are so amazingly talented what was your i mean you said you you already knew kids in the hall so what was your comedy awareness at the time like what was your perspective on the people they brought in maybe maybe who are the names and then the other people who you might have been surprised by because you'd never heard of them you know honestly i i wasn't that hip so i did not know all the really super hip people that came in i mean okay. i met them on the show i mean i knew norm mcdonald because i worked with him on roseanne right um you know i i actually funny enough jane lynch guest starred really small bit piece yeah. in one of the episodes and then down the line you know years later i, I made a short film and i kind of used that as an in with her i'm like hey you want to use radio don't you remember me? I worked with you. That was a stretch. Wow. Um, and that's not the reason she was in a short film, but I don't know if that helped to kind of <laughs> pretend that I, I kind of knew her or something. Sure, um, sure. But even like having Jerry Seinfeld on when, you know, basically they wanted to cancel the show and mm-hmm. kind of, it was like, it was like news radio parallel to the fake news radio to the real news radio. And mm-hmm. Jerry Seinfeld came in to try to boost the ratings and stuff. Man. That's Which cool. he was pretty hot back then. Well, sure, yeah. I mean, that's uh, that, that'll do it. I, I also <laughs> there's there's a little bit in that episode where I I don't I should ask. I've never asked if it's scripted where he does call Phil Hartman Phil instead of Bill, which has <laughs> always kind of struck I me as pretty know, funny. Actually. I I've never thought to I can ask. <laughs> sure, no. you can fake it. <laughs> do you, uh... <laughs> I can fake it. Sure, yeah, absolutely. Actually, it's really funny because this is like sort of a side thing, but Bob Odenkirk, who's such an amazing actor, he guest starred. I worked on Third Rock from the sun mm-hmm. a few years later, and he did a guest starring role on that show. And again, I was, what was I, production coordinator on the show? I kind of went backwards a little bit to go back to Carsey Warner where I started. Mm-hmm. And, um I was at a table read, and he kept coming up to me with things. And I said, no, Bob, don't come to me here. I'm, that's not my job here. You have to go to the writers. And he would keep coming up to me <laughs> with with questions and stuff. I'm like, no, Bob, wrong show. I, I, I don't have that. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty fun. I was like, hey, that's great. I love you. It's great. Yeah, right. I mean, that's uh, that, that's pretty nice. It, uh, it just keeps so used to you doing that bit that's yeah. really funny like a few times during the week he'd come up to me and i was like okay wrong show but i'm flattered right did you speaking of table reads did you sit on in on all of them for news radio was that yeah. a regular thing for you oh absolutely yeah absolutely um so yeah we uh we as i think i've, I've heard a couple of the podcast people have told you how we have to wait till the very last second and yeah hope the script made it in time and sometimes you know they're a little late but it always happens Right. I'll always pulled it off. 
the writers and Paul always pull it off, which was pretty fantastic. That would have driven me insane, but once you see any of these final episodes, there's not a bad one. So once once you see any of these final episodes, it's like, ah, well, I guess we busted our ass for something, <laughs> you know? I mean, it's it's so hard, like to have. Uh, I mean, it's obviously frustrating and never quite hit a hundred episodes, but to have almost a hundred episodes yeah. that are that good, uh, it's hard it was to argue. Conventional, but it worked. Mm-hmm. It worked, and you know, and I think in the way it spoiled me because. You know, as I was telling my girlfriend the other day, I, I do everything sort of guerrilla style still mm-hmm. to this day. Obviously, I never read the Disney. Uh, I, I may still have it. I'm, I would be on page five of 5,000. <laughs> um, you know, I'm so bad at, like, things that are so rigid. Yeah. Yeah. And I think news radio did not help matters. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, kind of. It does seem to have spoiled some people in the nicest possible way. That was awesome. I, no regrets. Yeah. It was a, That's wonderful. Do you have, uh, I mean, I got to ask a few typical questions. Do you have a favorite episode of the show? You know, I have a few. Please. Um, I I was thinking about it. So so I loved Office Feud because um, it was set, like Lisa was on the White House lawn. Mm Mm-hmm. And after the show, I took the lawn and installed it in my house. Oh, my so God. <laughs> well, we're just going to throw it out. Yeah, sure. And I bought a house. And I was, the production assistants were really kind in putting it in my car. And, again, we were just going to throw it in the trash. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it ended up uh, being my lawn. Um, so it was fun. Um, you know, the Space and Titanic episodes are, were always great because they're so ridiculously huge. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and... Super Karate Monkey Death Car. I did actually look that episode up because uh-huh. I knew you'd ask that question. <laughs> and that is the first of all, I love Stephen Root and he's a dear friend and what an amazing man. But um, in that episode, I don't know if anybody ever shared the story with you. I'm sure it's fine to share it so long ago. Um, for some reason, Joe Rogan kept um, having Ron Jeremy hang out on set. Did anybody ever talk about that? That has been mentioned, not in super detail, but yes, that has been mentioned. Okay, it's not that juicy, but it's funny. <laughs> so in that episode, um, Ron Jeremy was hanging out that week on the set. And during the book signing or talk that um, that Steve is doing, they actually thought it would be funny to put Ron Jeremy in the crowd mm-hmm. as an extra. <laughs> and, you know, we shot it, and there was an network executive there, and he didn't say anything, and nobody said anything. And everybody was like, hey, Ron Jeremy, it's funny. He's, a, he's an extra in this episode. And then right before it aired, the network said, you have to cut it out. Oh, my God. Someone recognized him. They're like, "No, you're gonna, you're gonna get out of the show." Wow. So, but maybe it's on the DVD. Who knows? I, I think so. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you can you can see him there. But that's really funny that they cared enough, even though, I mean, <laughs> who's gonna sit yeah, that? Cares? They're watching that with their family. And go, hey, I know that guy. Like, that's not gonna happen. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I think the funny part is that they actually shot it. Yes, and, you know, sure. Network executive was on the set and we kind of looked at him and he kind of didn't do anything or say anything so mm-hmm. that's you know i don't know if he just you know, who knows who knows why <laughs> that was awesome so wait he was there the whole week though joe was bringing him there the whole week you know i don't know exactly if it was a whole entire week but sure, he was but definitely hanging out long a enough. lot and <laughs> yeah he was just kind of there on camera was just on set and, you know it was just funny that's that is hilarious to me. Yeah, you know, Super Karate Monkey Death Car is one of those that is, it 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 just it lives in your heart, it, it, even if only for those couple moments. Um, Mike Reisner was kind enough to give me his shirt that 
that uh, Stephen Root had signed. It's one of the ones that the the tour the people are wearing at the very end of of that episode. That's got Jimmy's face on it. Um, that's cool. Yeah. Is there anything that you hit that you got to keep from the show in terms of props? Um, I have the whole office set in my living room. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was trying to think of it. The, the two things that I have in the picture, because, you know, you kind of asked me that last second. I was like, what am I going to use? Right. You know, like, it's kind of funny. I These are actually NBC promo items. I was wondering. Um, okay. Yeah, that I've had in my garage, kind of like in a place where I, I kind of had them. And the little radio thing, um, I never used it before, so I put batteries in it and opened the thing, and there's like a spider making a nest in there, so obviously I interrupted that. Uh-huh. Um, but those aren't props. I mean, those are they're, those are NBC promotions. Um, my little uh, WNYX month broke in Aww. one of the L.A. earthquakes. Um, you know, I probably have like the cover, the book cover of Jimmy James with, with from that episode and the button. And Oh, my God. Um, you know, at the time, again, you don't know what you're doing. You know, this was before Instagram and stuff. I have a sure. lot of photos from the time, like real photos that I guess I should scan in. But yeah. I don't have any, I don't remember having any physical props. Yeah. I mean, I, I probably have a few here and there. But, yeah, it wasn't one of those things where, you know, we were really thinking that far, you know. <laughs> sure. No, I, absolutely not. Uh, I I yeah. I guarantee you that the people who are listening right now can tell that the the wheels are turning in my head. Once you said you yeah. have the book cover, if I asked you to scan that, would that that be the worst thing in the world? <laughs> because I so desperately want to see that up close. You do not have to, you know, and I can cut it out. I I could I could I just have to find it. Yeah, I no, I, I get that. No, I know Jody <laughs> Man gave me one of the covers. That's um, so wonderful, though. But it, for me to find again, I found these. I don't know why these promo things were just on my. Show. Right. Really well, fun. let's just say um, if if it pops up and and you're able sure. to scan it, it's not a pain in your ass. I would because the thing is, I'm I'm just obs- I I had to recreate. Uh, so the um, the rocket fuel malt liquor bottle. Uh, okay. I bought one from Mike Reisner because he had one. Okay. And I okay. slowly scanned it, and it took about <laughs> eight hours to recreate the logo, so it looked pretty again. Um, so this oh, is the wow. kind of obsessive I am. I'm a, <laughs> a little crazy. So this is this is why I ask, and I think I think the audience knows that, that I must have been thinking that yeah, the whole time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, anything I find, I will I will like take a photo and send to you. Again, it's all in the garage somewhere. I have like a ton of scripts. Sure, that sure. I still have that. I, you know, it's just. Uh, actually, with the with the um, beer and stuff, I don't know if that was for that episode, but we did have some production assistants that worked their ass off. And at the end of the season, <laughs> this is funny, and I hope the production assistant that's listening to this doesn't, you know, think I'm dissing him or anything. But <laughs> we had this one production assistant that once Jody said, "Hey guys, come grab the cases of beer," mm-hmm. um, he went and grabbed all the cases of beer with a Michelob, not a product placement or anything. One of those obvious, you know. Uh, labels that you recognize and left all the you know no labeled ones behind just being a jerk basically no offense but you know Mm -hmm. and the other PAs came and like had to grab so it ended up that the stuff with the labels now makes sense when I'm telling the story that was the fake stuff because that's the stuff that was on TV Mm -hmm. so you took all the fake beer and all the (laughs) real beer without the labels was what I think the other PAs got to take which was I think there's a lesson in there Uh, yeah right (laughs) That's that was so awesome, funny. actually. It was very funny. <laughs> Did you? So it, we're uh, man. You know, I always wonder because on some shows I've worked, I, I worked as an extra on uh, Crossing Jordan, and uh, oh, okay. 
an episode of that, I had to be drinking some near beer that was actually made by mm-hmm. Anheuser-Busch, but the le- label, instead of actually saying Bud Light, said B-O-H-L-I-Q-B-L. So it was Greeked by the company itself. Did you ever have yeah. anything like that, or did you guys totally, did they just do fresh Greeking or fake brands themselves? You know, Jody again, master prop woman who mm-hmm. is still to this day super successful yes. for the right reasons. Um, she did all of that. Um, I they probably did some stuff for mm-hmm. for the. Uh, I, I wasn't as uh, focused on that. Sure, your clearance. So your clearances were all maybe not as much visual, like you said. They were just references and stuff in the scripts. Well, yeah, I think I think for me it was just kind of like getting it through my desk, and I looked at the budgets, and I, you know, again, it was just, it was like there, there was so like everybody sort of did everything. It was mm-hmm. just very fluid, I guess. I mm-hmm. mean, the, the responsibility that I got to have, like looking back, I'm like that's a once in a lifetime chance. Of course, of course, you know, which is. You know, so, yeah, again, we had some amazing department heads that knew exactly what they were doing, you mm-hmm. know, and I, no one had to be babysat. That's oh, that's so good. Do you, uh, you know, I this is now occurring to me. There's one prop, uh, not a prop necessarily. It is a print of a painting on an episode, and you can just feel free to tell me I have no idea what you're talking about. But I would assume yeah. this would be your department. But it was a painting. Not the Titanic thing. No, uh, it was a painting by oh. Kandinsky in an early episode that is hanging oh. in Matthew's apartment for some reason. It's an impressionist painting by Kandinsky. Hmm. Does that? I have no idea. Okay, that's fine. See, these <laughs> these are the things because I'm always like, I wonder what the hell they have to go through, if anything, to get you know to get the rights to. You know what the weirdest thing is? I don't think I've ever really seen an episode through like ever like i i've seen all the episodes filmed yeah i don't think i've ever sat down and watched an episode that's like fascinating on, i mean i'd love to like i always like say i need to get the dvds and i need to watch mm-hmm. them i'd love to listen to the commentary and you know yeah but i don't think i've ever actually sat and watched an episode I mean, that's amazing when they're airing we're shooting that's fantastic i i love that so so what i love too then is that your concept of some of these episodes is Oh, this is you know you 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 have a better idea of sometimes when they go twenty minutes over rather than the the final twenty two minute version that they had to cut right. I mean, in some level, exactly, some way, yeah. that's yeah, really funny I, to I've me. Never really, yeah, I've never actually. I I love to see them again. I can't believe it's been this many years. <laughs> well, if you have that's some, in, if you have a few episodes in mind in the meantime, I can at least make those available to you before you buy the DVDs. I at the very least can put those somewhere where you can access them. Oh, that's really nice. You know, sure. uh, uh, I probably shouldn't say that on the podcast. I'll cut that out. I know. I know. I'd love to see my lawn again. So, obviously, would be great. <laughs> I love that so much. That is, I mean, to be fair, I asked you about props. That's kind of the ultimate, like, you literally put it in. It's so good. And, yeah, I just, again, it was going to be thrown out. It wasn't mm-hmm. like I, you know, it wasn't like NBC was going to use it for another show or something. Yeah, right. Exactly. I've been on shows where they did that kind of thing. Watch and... NBC send me a bill <laughs> 35 years later. You owe us. <laughs> $3,000 for that long. <laughs> Do you have uh, any fun anecdotes from the set you're comfortable telling? Because I don't want, I feel like some people have said some stuff and then they're like, 
Maybe maybe you <laughs> cut that out after they've gotten real excited to tell me the story. So if there's anything that's you feel funny. comfortable telling, because I, you know, that's what people love to hear. They want to know what was going on in the set. I know, I know. Well, there's one one doozy that I will not share. I will take to my grave. Or if we ever get together for coffee, I okay. will tell you the story, but not on the podcast. That's wonderful. Um, there's a few of those. Um, <laughs> and when, you know, when, when we meet face to face, sure, perhaps share those with you. Um, you know, I, crazy stuff like, oh, okay, this is a funny one. Um, we, I, I guess it was the 90s. Again, I feel so old. I'm like 300 years old. Um, <laughs> and sexual harassment was just kind of coming about. This is not a Harvey Weinstein story, by the way. So <laughs> um, but we had to start giving uh, sexual harassment classes, seminars, on, you know, for the crew and the cast and stuff like that. Sure. And the staff. Um, and Andy Dick, and I'm sure I could, everybody has an Andy Dick story, mm-hmm. a documentary about that. Um, he was always late everything, um, which was fine. It was endearing. And we're, we scheduled this sexual harassment seminar uh, the day the crew was in so we could get everybody sort of into the bleachers and go through whoever came in to give this, this thing, which was hilarious. Um, <laughs> and... So the camera guys, um, you know, the, I guess the cameras were hot. I don't know why no one turned off the cameras, but they were leaning down and towards the backstage, you know, while we're in. Andy came in and saw the cameras like, late to the seminar and like mooned everybody. Oh my God. So we're all in the bleachers. <laughs> and there's Andy's ass. Not that you haven't seen it before. Sure. But, you know, um, let's see, should you air that or not? I don't care. <laughs> Um, no, so you know, uh, I don't know what other, what what kind of stories. I mean, it was. Uh, I don't want to put know, the pressure so we, on. I'm just always curious if somebody's got a new one that I have, and I people always do. Did you hear I mean, this one? I, the one I just told. No, I don't think I, there are. Here's the thing: there are variations on a theme, but not that specific one. So no, no. Not not that I recall. Uh, I will tell you, uh, the one that's been the most shocking so far is when Candy told us a story about her final episode, which I did not expect to have her talk about Wait, on the show. What, what, what was um, the Well, the, in the scene where Joe is supposed to be naked, she tells a story that he absolutely decided to uh, act that in oh, a method way. Yes, um, that's which is... right. Yes, I do remember that. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't shy. Uh, no, apparently not. He shy. No, I mean, not no. if you're in that kind of shape. I mean, what are you going to do? I know you have to show it off. You're working that hard for that body. <laughs> Why wouldn't you? Um, you know, there's just, you know, like, I guess I'm kind of put on the spot because I can't. Think oh, I know. Once we get off this call, I'll feel You'll like, think oh of my some God, new ones. this and that. <laughs> um, you know, it was just, it was such a fun group. I mean, we did work hard. Sure. It was, it was, you know, there was a lot of effort that went into these episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but, um, I mean, silly stuff like, you know, when we got the, again, this is, earth shattering but when we got the pinball machines mm-hmm. and, you know some people realize how to take a glass off to make the score higher <laughs> earth shattering thing <laughs> had nothing to do with the show well i just love that it's got this kind of like every story's got this shade of so i went to an alternative high school and it was kind of a free-for-all oh. and like mm-hmm. so when i hear these stories i'm like oh man that would that would have been the place for me to work and it's one of the few reasons i've never worked in in production for that long i didn't have a job like this so i kind of love that it's got this weird like high school in a good way like you said dorm room in a good way it's uh, i don't know it's it's kind of joyous you don't always hear joyous stories about working on a successful a creatively successful yeah. tv show 
Okay, one story that does come to mind, which again, I don't, again, one of those stories you go, should I tell it on the podcast? Uh-huh. I don't know. But it was kind of funny. So that I think this, I'm going to guess this was before the sexual harassment uh, seminar that we all had to boringly sit through, which uh-huh. is very important. Yes. And it definitely needs to happen. Um, but we got, this was around the Pamela and Tommy Lee sex video. Oh thing. my God, again, yeah. I'm so dating myself. This is the 90s. Sure. Um, I don't know who got the copy. Someone got the copy of it. I mean, everybody had the copy of it, sure. you know, but someone got it pretty early on and um, a group of us were sitting in one of the rooms where it sounds like our studios at the time behind closed doors watching it again, just for, you know, shits and giggles. I mean, sure. you know, we're, we're in our twenties and all of a sudden the door opens and there was an editor's assistant woman who very nice woman but she was definitely older than us uh-huh. i mean again we're in our 20s or she could have been in her 60s i mean she was following her 40s who knows mm-hmm. but she was very much and it's her and she's opened the door and we're all like watching this porno <laughs> you know and we all freeze and everyone freezes and you know it's like mom walked in on us <laughs> and there's this long pregnant pause and she goes Oh, I'll watch it later. And then she laughed. <laughs> oh, my God. That's wonderful. <laughs> that is so funny. Holy crap. That is wonderful. <laughs> Again, yeah, all, so all, all, this is just all you're doing is like is solidifying that that's exactly the kind of place that, that we sort of. This is uh, this is, uh, this podcast is slowly becoming the oral history of news radio. And I well. Boy, oh, I cool. should, that's I should, right. maybe I shouldn't have used the word oral when you were just talking about that tape. I but know. there you go. Boy, oh that's boy, a, that's a good one. <laughs> um, <laughs> and nor do I want to leave the episode on that note. So I want what I want to do then is, um, uh, th- <laughs> Jesus, this is, is it just a rating episode. Is it for ratings? Because you should just leave it on that. <laughs> I know. Note. I know. Sweet, sweet. <laughs> This oh you know what so this is gonna come out in oh boy I want a week or two depending on my release I've been trying to get these out but and just to kind of rush to episode one hundred because we're very close. Um, oh wow, what number is this one? Uh, this is gonna be oh my goodness ninety seven or ninety eight somewhere around there. Oh my god, congratulations! Well, fantastic. thank you very much. What's your hundredth episode? Uh, the hundredth episode, I will tell you about once we're done recording, because I think you'll appreciate it. Okay. Um, Great. Okay. It's Sorry. so funny that I'm being so secretive about this this little podcast, but it's it was kind of exciting. Uh, we weirdly already recorded it, but um, uh-huh. but I wanted to know: is there anything you want to promote? I don't know. I think you are on Twitter, but I don't know if you use it. Is there any project you want to talk about that people should know about? Hmm. Um. You know, I there's nothing to really. I think you should send on that Tommy Lee and Pamela thing. People should try to check it out. <laughs> it's hard to find it. I mean, give that. <laughs> I think that's the best. <laughs> hey guys, hey guys, go watch some I porn. Jason, I think at this point, I think Jason at this point, I should be number one hundred. I know, kidding, right? I know. <laughs> there you go. That's what I'm promoting. That's... Twenty some years later. <laughs> I, I I love this so much. You know what? I did have one more question. I, I don't have a concept yeah. of how of what the numbers were like in terms of how many men and how many women were on set because a lot of the just a lot of the behind the scenes people that I keep planning on talking to and trying to arrange with are women and that's exciting to me, but I, I don't know how many women worked on the show because all the writers mostly were dudes. They were. Um, you know, we had we had Julie Bean, of course. Yep. Um, that was Paul's right hand. Mm-hmm. Um, we had Stephanie with her assistant, mm-hmm. and Susan Leslie, who I think you had on. Yes. Um, 
you know, in the office we had, you know, we, we had me. We had uh, we had some female production assistants. I mean, it was, you know, the, the, the writer's room was, I mean, we did have a few, uh, you know, a couple of female writers come in. I think it's just the schedule was really a tough thing for for people who weren't, like, you know, sort of right out of college. Mm-hmm. To, to do. I mean, I, I think there were very talented writers that went through the show, some women writers that were very talented. It was just a very unique show, and I think maybe they, they had too much experience mm-hmm. in other shows. Mm-hmm. And again, all, you know, all of them went on to have great careers, you know. So yeah. it's not like, you know, they, they, you know, they were thrown out or something. Um, I just think it was just a very unique way, and Paul just kind of had, you know, his way, and it worked, and, you know, um, our accountant was a woman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, well, it was a line producer that I worked with and ended up um, not, you know, lasting more than a couple of episodes, unfortunately, for her. Mm-hmm. Um, I know we're going to try and get I... Jody Mann on. We are going to try and get Llewellyn on as well. Uh, oh, they're great, yeah. So we had we had female uh, department heads. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Paul, again, I, I don't think it, it's not a male-female thing. I think if you sure. worked well with you you know it wasn't a you know sexist thing it wasn't like you know i mean you know he had a great relationship with with jody and you know luan was great and stuff you know and i think we had a couple of you know i think joey alvarado had some females on his you know staff that you know i remember a couple of them going through the years um so yeah i don't i, I think it was balanced i don't even know what that i mean the industry isn't balanced no, you know what i mean no absolutely that's why i'm always curious because you know you're never quite i'm never quite sure because the people i want to interview are the people i first think of and and then so i'm always like oh maybe there's some other people out there that i should be be digging for um and uh i don't know i i just really appreciate you sitting down and talking with me today today this has been of course. thank you for asking so, me that's so cool i know fun. it took a while to coordinate but thank well, you believe me it's taken longer for for some other folks just because but i mean hey you know we got you on and we're not even in the same city so that's pretty great and <laughs> there you go uh, it was very nice of you um i awesome. again i'm gonna thank you i'm gonna thank everybody for listening and there's just one thing left to say and that is catch you later bee cakes <laughs> Dispatches from Fort Awesome, a news radio podcast, is part of the Stolen Dress Podcast Network. The show is hosted by Alan Rickert, Jason Klom, and Jen, who lives on the ether. Our theme song was composed and performed by Michael Warden. Have questions? Call and leave us a voicemail at 646-801-WNYX or email us at freakzilla at scopenet.com. You can also send snail mail to Stolen Dress Entertainment, P.O. Box 805, Burbank, California, 91503. Subscribe to Dispatches from Fort Awesome on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or any other podcast outlet. Give us a five-star rating and write us a review. It helps. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at WNYX News Radio, or find everything in one place at WNYXNewsRadio.com. Thanks, Joe. Visit StolenDress.com to listen to our other podcasts, watch videos, and imbibe freely of our multimedia content going back 15-plus years. Big day today, Dave. <laughs>